All right. So I'm pretty excited this morning. I am very excited. In fact, Joe, I just love what you just did there because the reality is there's some sick people in the house this morning. And the reality is we also have this guy that we know as the healer. And so you bring the sick to the healer and they're healed. So that's a beautiful thing, Joe. I love what you did there. And just remember that, that God, that's who he is. He loves to do that, by the way. He, um, it's kind of his MO. So uh, I would just encourage you continue to ask for prayer in those ways. And there's going to be people that I want to pray for you. So we're in this series called Kaleo and it's called, right? And and, and it's called Kaleo. That's hilarious. It's called called. That's, that's just kind of... So anyways, so we started this series. Anyone remember what we talked about two weeks ago? It was called to... Called... I thought someone said, who cares? And I was going to have a one-on-one meeting with you right now. <laughs> no, you're called to care. Called to compassion. Anyone remember... Anyone want to try, even dare, to shout out the Greek word? Splachnisomai. <laughs> there was a splash zone when I said it. Splachnisomai. I got the second row. <laughs> I love it. Well, I am really excited about this series, and, and, and we did the call to compassion. This week we're doing a call to generosity. We have the banner up there, Kaleo, called to generosity. As Christians, this, this generosity, we are being called to this. But outside of Christ, I don't think this is a newsflash for anybody, but outside of Christ, we are not that naturally generous. Have you noticed? In fact, when a baby comes into this world, when we are born, all of us are born into this world incredibly, extremely selfish. Have you seen a baby before? An infant, they come out completely consumed by their own wants, needs, and desires. In fact, a baby, they are not concerned about how you're doing. All they are concerned about is, where's mama, right? Where's mama? I need my mama. They just want to make sure mama's near to give them what they want. They are incredibly selfish. But then they grow up. They grow up. Maybe they've changed. Well, if you've ever been a parent or if you've ever been a kid, they don't change that much, do they? They begin to speak. And one of the first words that comes out of their mouth is, if you've been a parent or a kid, you know it, it's, it's mine. I love you, mom. I'll do anything you want me to do. No, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine. Like, yeah, like the Finding Nemo seagulls. It's mine. But, and this blows my mind. Think, really think about this. You don't have to teach them that. You don't have to teach them. I've had three kids and they're all the same. I've seen it three times. They come into this world with the attitude, it is mine. It is mine. I love this picture that I found. It's this cute little girl with three little dolls. And she says, it's awesome. Look at that picture, that little face. And she says, if you think you're getting one of my toys, you got another thing coming. You got another thing coming. There's a movie. I've seen this movie at least a few dozen times. I'm sure all of you have seen it as well. It's called Elmo in Grouchland, right? Okay, nobody. <laughs> Holly, you're, you're there with me, Holly. Come on. The villain, and my wife, yeah, and my wife, she's in the back. The villain's name is Huxley, Huxley, and Huxley, this is awful. He steals Elmo's blanket. Right. I mean, in fact, no joke. I did it. You can search on the Internet and, and moms and dads have taken pictures of their kids while they're watching the scene when Elmo loses his blanket. And the kids just start bawling and crying because it's so traumatic that Elmo's lost his blanket. But here he is. Huxley, he steals the blanket, but he's been stealing other things as well. And every time he gets something, he stamps the word mine on the thing that he takes. 
And why do you think Sesame Street would create a villain that is extremely selfish, stamping mine on everything? Because they understand that every child is selfish. They are selfish. And I want to I tell you another thing I found. I thought this was pretty funny. It's property law as viewed by a toddler. So for all you lawyers out there, you, you might enjoy this one. Property law, <laughs> right there. <laughs> property law as viewed by a toddler. It goes like this. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I had it first, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If I want it, it's mine. If you put it down, it's mine. If I put it down, it's still mine. But if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> it's just the natural attitude of every person. It's this selfish attitude. We don't come into this world naturally generous. But that's why God is calling us. See, he's calling us to something different, to someplace different than where we are. When dinner is ready at the Birch household, mom and I, we have to call our children to the dinner table. Many of you do the same thing. Why do you have to do that? Because they're not there. They're not in the place that we want them to be. They're probably downstairs watching TV or playing. So we have to call them often several times. But we we call them. And today, I just want you to know, God is calling you to the dinner table. He is calling you to something different, to a radically different life, a life that is going to go against your human nature. It's going to go against what you naturally do. But he loves us too much to let us stay where we are in our own flesh and our own selfish desires. He is calling us to something greater. Don't you love how good our God is? Our theme verse for today's message is found in your notes uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 7. By the way, we're going to be taking a lot of notes uh, this morning, so you'll want to take those out. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And it says, but since you excel in everything, and he goes through a list. He says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. Pay attention. He says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving. Did you know that you were supposed to excel in giving? Did you know that? You are. You are. You are being called by the Lord to a place of extreme generosity to do something that goes against the norm. That doesn't come naturally in the flesh. Now to study this, we're going to go to that passage that we talked about two weeks ago. The story of the good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. So this is the story. Jesus exposes three attitudes in the story that the world has in regards to generosity. Uh, today, I would actually like to read it through the message paraphrase. So this is what it says. There once was a man, this is Jesus talking. There once was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes. They beat him up. And they went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on the way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. But then a Levite, a religious man, showed up, but he also avoided the injured man. Now, a Samaritan, he was traveling the road, and he came to him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. And then he lifted him onto his donkey. He let him into an inn, and he made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins. He gave them to the innkeeper, saying, this is amazing. He goes, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I will pay you on my way back. Now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, what do you think? What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? And so the guy that he's talking to, the religious scholar, he said it was the one who treated him kindly. The one who treated him kindly. And this is where we get the call. This is where we get the kaleo. Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to do the same. 
There's the call. I want you to do the same. In other words, you're not doing this now, but I want you to go and I want you to do it. I'm calling you to the dinner table of generosity. I'm calling you to this attitude. So three attitudes we're going to look at. These attitudes, they still exist in the world today. I want you to listen to how John Maxwell characterizes the three attitudes. It's, it's very good. Again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down in your notes. The first attitude that's expressed is what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Right? It's like Elmo's blanket. <laughs> what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. If you're an extra uh, note taker, I just want you to write this word off to the side. It's one word that characterizes this attitude and it is the word greed. 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 The, the attitude that says, I am not satisfied with what I have. In fact, I want more. It's an attitude that is not content. It's an attitude that says, look, I will do whatever it takes to get on top of you, to beat you, and to get more. I want some of the things that you have, and I'm going to take them. And it's a very natural attitude. This world, I think we've all noticed, is not in short supply of this attitude. It is expressed in abundance all around us. And yet, it's an attitude that is directly opposed to the attitude that the Lord has called us to. In the story, you see it expressed to the robbers. The robbers, they come along, they see a guy with some stuff, they say, what you have is what I want, and then they act accordingly. And when you read the story, I mean, there's a part of us that's like, you know what, those mean old robbers, right? I can't believe they did that. Now, I would never do that, right? I I would never take something from somebody else. Eh, Maybe, <laughs> right? Maybe you wouldn't come out from behind a rock, beat a man, you know, up and, and steal from him. But your attitude and my attitude sometimes is very eerily similar to what those robbers had. It's true. It's an attitude of discontentment. Discontentment where there is coveting. Where you see something else that somebody else has and you want it. Jesus talks about this. Go skip forward a couple of chapters to Luke chapter 12, verse 14. I want you to notice this. He's, uh, pay attention to this. Jesus gives us a warning. And when Jesus gives you a warning, you want to heed the warning. He says, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Now, why does Jesus say be on your guard? Because he's about to talk about something that you probably need to be on your guard against. It's probably something that you might have a tendency to do. You don't have to be on your guard against something that you rarely do. You have to be on your guard against something that maybe is guaranteed to happen. So Jesus says, watch out. Listen, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Jesus is saying our tendency in the natural is to live that life of greed. But you, follower of Christ, watch out. Be on your guard because your life is so much more than how much stuff you can collect, how much stuff you can get. You have been called, brother and sister in Christ, to something greater. When you look up generous in the thesaurus, in the thesaurus one of the uh, antonyms or the opposite of the word is the word miser. Uh, there's a famous Charles Dickens character that you might think of when you think of miser. Anyone know? Scrooge, right? Ebenezer. Here I raise my... No, never mind. That's the wrong Ebenezer. But <laughs> Scrooge. And remember, the word miser, it's the root word to the word miserable. So when you live a life that is opposite of generous, you are traveling down a road of misery. Truly your own version of Scrooge. Some of you have tasted that before. If you've ever spent seasons of your life where you're just coveting what everyone else has, you're discontent with your, posi- your possessions, you're unsatisfied with the things in your life. In fact, you're unsatisfied with your spouse, with your kids, with your job, with everything. You know that is a miserable place to be. 
And the spirit that begins to grow within you, it is in direct opposition to the life of extreme generosity that you've been called to. It is so far removed from that abundant, joy-filled Christian life that you've been called to. So there's the first group. We got these robbers. They say, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. Second group in the story, there's the two religious people. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. We got these religious people who already probably love God. There's a good chance they're pretty good people. Their attitude might describe many of us in this room. It's an attitude I would describe as almost a bit benign. It doesn't even look like there's anything wrong with this attitude. But here's the attitude. Jot it down. Again, if you're taking notes. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. In other words, look, I worked hard for this. I I earned it. This is my stuff. I'm going to keep it. I earned it. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. I want you to jot this word on the side. This is the word that characterizes this. It's selfishness. Selfishness. So it's not saying, you know, I'm going to take what you have, but it does say I'm just going to keep what I worked really hard for because it's my stuff. It's mine. Many of us have this attitude. Yet again, the Bible, it challenges this attitude. We say, what's mine is mine. And the Lord says, no, that's not true, actually. Your whole life, all that you are, is actually about what I have given you. The Bible tells us the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But yet we struggle with this attitude. It's an attitude that can be prevalent in churches, by the way. What a lot of churches do, they just say, you know what? Let's just use it all for us, right? Let's just use it all for us. You know, we got a lot of needs here. What's mine is mine, and and we're just going to keep it. It doesn't even sound that bad, really, but it becomes so inwardly focused. But instead, that's what I love about LifeSpring, because we use many of the resources here to to help this specific body, but we've been also very intentional about giving to others outside of the body. I love being a part of a church like that. It has become a part of our DNA. It is a part of our vision so that we can do more for others, not just for us, but for others and have a greater impact in this community and in the world. That's exactly what God has called us to. Philippians chapter 2. It's an amazing verse. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, say humility, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And as true as that, and as true as that is in our own lives as individuals, that's also true for us as a church. We must walk in humility. We must walk with an attitude, not of selfish ambition or conceit, but considering others better than ourselves. It's with that attitude that we invest in Ghana. It's with that attitude that we encourage and we support other local churches in the area. It's with that attitude that we bless missionaries. It's with that attitude that we bless evangelists to do what they've been called to do. It's so important for all of us to continue to walk in this attitude and posture. I would say even to fight for this attitude because in our flesh it's always going to be natural to go back to selfishness. To go back to greed. Right? What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. So there's the second attitude. First one, extreme attitude of greed. What's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. You're going to be miserable, by the way, if you have that attitude. Second attitude seems a bit benign. Looks like nothing's wrong with it, but it's selfish. It says what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. But the third attitude is the attitude that God calls us to today. And this attitude, it is not a natural attitude. It's the attitude that we are called to, but it only happens if we respond to that call. It's the attitude that's expressed, it's characterized by the Good Samaritan. And it's this. What's mine is yours. And I'm going to give it. 
Now, in my flesh, I don't know if I like that one, right? <laughs> What's mine is yours and I'm going to give it? Really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems like if I was really to do this one, maybe I wouldn't really get the things that I want in my life. In fact, I might end up even a little dissatisfied in my life because I'm constantly giving things away. But the Bible tells us the direct opposite. Honestly, you're just going to have to test this one in your own life to see if it's true. I think many of you already have. Many of you, you're already walking this out. You've realized one of the greatest gifts a person can possess is the gift of giving, to be able to give to bless somebody else. You understand there's really nothing more exciting, nothing more enjoyable than the ability to give to somebody else. But the rest of you, you're just going to have to test this one on your own. I want to share three verses with you. They're in your notes. Psalm 112, verse 5. Good will come to him who is, would you say this with me, generous and lends freely. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. That's the one who just lets go, realizes that their life isn't about keeping. Their life is about giving. Good will come to him. Good will come to him. Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous man. Say generous. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others. Come on, look at this. He says, when he who refreshes others, you don't end up depleted. You don't end up empty. No, one who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Amen. Again, this is just something you're going to have to check out on your own. But I guarantee you, if you buy into this concept of generosity, that you will be one of the most refreshed and one of the most blessed people ever. Jesus himself, he says in Acts 20, 35, would you say this one with me? The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's the attitude we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. Mary and I, we have some incredible stories of being refreshed and being blessed as we have given to others. Many of you, you have similar stories. So that third attitude, what's mine is yours and I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it. And hopefully there are some of you in this morning, uh, some of you here this morning, where you want this. You want this attitude of generosity. You're tired of living like the world. And instead you want to move, right? You want to move into this life of generosity. But now the question is this, what what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I see that I'm called to generosity, but what am I going to do about it? And I want to give you three things, and I want you to write these down in your notes. Here we go. First one is this. This is the baseline. This is the beginning place, and this is it. I'm going to do what I already should do. I'm going to do what I should do. I want to give you another word to write off onto the side if you're taking notes, and that's the word obedience. Do what I should be doing. Obedience. There is a level of giving, a level of generosity that God has called us to that we need to be obedient to. It is truly a baseline, but for some people, honestly, this baseline is going to feel a little bit too high for you because part of this baseline is the tithe. The Lord says, I want you to take the first 10% of everything you make, everything you consider income, and I want you to give it to me. I want you to give it to the place where you worship, to the local church, the place where you're being fed, and I want you to invest it there. Malachi chapter 3. This is an amazing verse. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. God makes it very clear. He says, this is what I want you to do. This is the baseline. And then he says this. This is really the only place in Scripture where he says this. He says, and test me in this. In other words, just see if it doesn't work. And you can talk to any person in this room. There are those of you in this room who have consistently done this in your lives. And they will give you testimony after testimony of the blessings, the immeasurable blessings of them being obedient to this in their life, to this baseline. 
God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So beautiful. It's so important to remember in regards to tithing. It's not just giving God one of your ten things. It's about giving God your first. About giving Him your best. Not just, just, you know, just kind of picking and choosing. No, it's giving Him your first and your best. In, in more areas than money. It's in everything. I, I would just love to see it. If as a church, Monday through Saturday, that we would be tithing our day. That we would be praying and spending time with the Lord first thing in the morning. I mean, the reality, prayer works all day long. It is as effective in the nighttime as it is in the morning. But there is just something very special about doing it first. Because there's this attitude that comes along with that. And you know what I'm talking about if you do it. There is an attitude that comes along with that where you say, God, I am honoring you with my day. And I'm giving you my first and my best. And I just pray that if you do that, the rest of your day will be blessed by the Lord. And the same is true in our money. It's not about financing God. It's not like God needs our money. No, it's about honoring Him with your first and with your best. Declaring that God is first in your life. I've shared this story a couple of times. So I'm not going to go into great detail. But when Mary and I were first married, we struggled in the area of money. We struggled, we struggled in giving to the Lord. And, and at first, we thought we were doing pretty good. But soon we realized we were barely giving anything. In fact, we got the statement. You know, you get the statement at the end of the year in the month of January. And, you know, you open up the statement and you're like, they must have just made a mistake. How could that be? We, we give much more than that. And we go to the bookkeeper like, you're wrong. You know, and I'm like, work with her. I'm like, you're wrong. We give more than that. She's like, no, you didn't give more than that. And he was just like, oh, right. Just, Ugh. And we realized we needed help. So we asked for help. And another pastor, he came alongside of us and he met with us once a week for an entire year. We prayed to the Lord to help us in this area of finances. We prayed to the Lord to help us in this area of tithing. And now this is a glory to God. Now tithing, it is only the baseline for us. It truly is only the beginning, the baseline for our lives. And, and for, for all of us in this morning, if, if you're not doing anything else in this calling to generosity, my encouragement for you is to start right here at the baseline. Just start here and do what you should do. In fact, for some of you, today might be the most powerful thing that you will ever do. This, it might change, radically change your life. And, and for you, maybe one, one of the things you might need to do after service, you might need to just go back to that banner. And you need to write, you know, today, God, I'm giving you my first. Today, God, I'm giving you my best. And I hope that some of you in this room are being spoken to the, from the Lord in that way. Now, if you're already doing that, this is kind of getting fun. We're going to go up to the second level. This is, now we're going to do what we could do. Oh, what we could do. And this is really the things that we could do. And, and these things are above and beyond the baseline, right? God, he gives us the baseline, but this is where true generosity really kicks in. Because generosity is about making a decision that is beyond what is required of me. In fact, I don't even know if we're really being generous by just doing that first level of giving. But now I'm going to do what I could do. Here's the key word. I want you to write this down. This is so important. This is the Christian life in many ways. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. The reason I give you that word is that this level is probably going to cost you something. 
I'm not necessarily even talking about money here. It might include money, but I'm talking about the sacrifice of leaving your house 15 minutes earlier to bring the box of donuts to the office to bless the whole office. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you about five bucks to buy the box of donuts. But the difference is that you are doing something that you didn't have to do. You're doing something that you could do. Right? It makes me think about the volunteer appreciation dinner we did last Sunday night that was put on by the volunteer leadership team. They didn't have to. Yeah, that was good. That was, that was really good. Amen. They didn't have to do that. But with a smirk on their face, they know they could do it. Makes me think of when you're at a dinner table and, and you realize that the waitress, uh, maybe you're discerning your spirit and you realize that she could use that five bucks a little bit more than you could. And so you add the five bucks onto her tip. You didn't have to do that, but you knew you could. And it's a sacrifice. You can do something to bless somebody else. And I've seen this level of generosity all over this place. Again, it's one of the reasons I love being here. You have been so generous as you've responded to the call to invest in our mission to Ghana. You don't have to do that. You don't have to send six people to Ghana to preach the name of Jesus. What we're doing here, it's just working just fine, right? Let's just stay focused on us. But you say, no, we can do it. We can do it. We don't have to, but we can. And so you've sacrificed It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice we can make. Look at this verse in your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, I love this verse. It says, they gave as much as they were able. But then they take it to a whole other level. And they did it even beyond their abilities. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. That is an amazing verse, church. May this verse define us as a body of Christ. And if the Lord is stirring within you some of the things that you know that you could do, like not later, but like right now, things that you could do in this season, I would love for you to go after service, go to the back. I want you to write it down on the back poster. So we got the first level. I'm going to do what I should do, baseline. And then I'm going to do what I could do, sacrifice. Here's the third level. Third level, this is where I'm going to do what I would do. What I would do. Now it's going to get really fun. And this is based on the supernatural blessing of God. So yeah, you're already at the baseline of generosity. You are tithing. Then you take it up to the sacrifice level. You find yourself being generous in the church and in the community. But then there's the third level stuff where you pray a radical prayer and you say, Lord, if you would bless me supernaturally, oh, the things I would do. I'm not going to keep it for myself. If you would do this, Lord, I would use it to advance your kingdom. I will not be a bucket. I will be a funnel. I will channel it to make a difference in this church, in this world. In this, there is this high calling of generosity to advance the kingdom of God. It's my prayer that would say, God, if you would do this, oh, the things I would do. And the beautiful thing again about life spring, some of you have already prayed this prayer and God is blessing you even beyond what you could ever imagine. You know it. And I just want to say to you again this morning, now that God has done that, invest in his kingdom. Invest in this kingdom. I have some family members in in my life who were always talking when I was growing up. They were always talking about the radical things that they would do if they had the money to do it. They grew up not having any money, but they were always so generous. But they had these God-sized dreams that needed God-sized financing. But then about five years ago, they received an inheritance and I have been blown away. I am speechless by these family members. They have put their money where their mouth is. Since that time, they have overwhelmed so many people with it. 
their generosity. They have advanced the name of Jesus with their finances. I remember one of the families they blessed. It was a family where the young mother of young kids, she was dying. And, and they blessed her husband with this substantial amount of money so that they wouldn't have to worry about bills and, and, and what they were going to spend on bills while they were spending the last few months of life together. They're helping people now that aren't even related to them, to helping them send them to college. They are sending people to college that they don't, um, are not even related to. They are going on and on and on, giving and giving and giving and giving. And that is the third level of giving that God has called us to. My dad, he always told me, he said, Dan, you figure out how much you want to give before you have the money to give. Because he said, because if you, if you don't figure that one out now, and he's talking to like a 13-year-old, if you don't figure that out now, you'll never have um, so much money that you're like, I don't know what to do with this money. And I guess maybe I'll give it to so-and-so. He said, you figure it out. He said, and he goes, you figured out how much money do you have to make before you start giving 20%, before you start giving 30%, before you start giving 40%. He's like, you figure that out, Danny. So he called me Danny. And that's so good. By the way, if you're a parent, that's so good. Because there's never a day where you're like, I just have so much money, I'm just going to give 30%. No, you figure that out now. And then you pray to the Lord, say, oh, the Lord, the things I would do. And then when he blesses you, you do it. Again, you might need to write that on that wall. Because when the Lord supernaturally blesses you, I want it to hold you accountable to what you had said this morning. The heart of generosity that you said, this is what I'll do for you, God, if you supernaturally bless me. So you go ahead and do that. Because I believe in a God who wants to resource God-sized dreams with God-sized provision. And that just might happen to you. I also want to say, if you are being blessed already in this way, this is a great place to invest. Oh, the things God wants to do in the communities of Fife, Milton, and Edgewood, and around the world through this little church. I'd love to sit next to you at Starbucks and just have you share about, hey, I'm looking for a strategic place to invest. And I'm probably going to say, yeah, I'll help you find it. (laughs) Because the reality is there's so many people going to hell in this community. But there's a passion in this church to reach the lost. And I think this is a beautiful, wonderful place for you to invest. I just want to say that. So here's what the Bible says. We're going to close with this verse today. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. This is a powerful verse. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower, so this is God, God supplies seed to the sower. In other words, he's looking for someone to sow, someone to put it out. And that's the person that God supplies. Now God who supplies seed to the sower, God will also, listen to this, he will increase your store of seed. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness and you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Say generous. Generous on every occasion, and the result is going to be people giving thanks to God. May this church be, be cram packed full of people with the heart of a sower, people who are ready to sow, ready to be generous, who are ready to answer the call, to answer this call to generosity. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I just I had one that just came to me there. It's just um, it's a passion of mine, but. Uh, I'm all about developing young leaders. And if this was just a powerhouse place of young leader development, where this was the hub and we just began to send out young leaders all through this neighborhood, this community, and this world, 
We're five four square and we don't even have a church in five. But you know how easily we could change that? Edgewood's big enough. We have two four square. Why don't we have five? Like just seriously, the spread of the gospel to the young leaders in this church. But again, it takes financing. So with this topic of generosity, I, I wanted to take time this morning to introduce to you a couple of young ladies who are walking out this calling of generosity in their lives. They're pouring out their lives for the Lord. They have said yes to God. They are overwhelming me. I, I met with one of them earlier this week and I'm just blown away. Uh, they have literally said to God, if you would supernaturally resource us, we will try to reach every 13 to 20 year old girl in the communities of five Milton and Edgewood and beyond with the love of Christ. These young women, they have this incredible passion and incredible vision that God has given them. And I believe that God wants to resource that vision. In fact, I believe God is going to resource that vision. In fact, they have already taken tremendous steps of faith. They are planning this conference. They are planning it with the speakers and with the worship and with the website and with the creative elements and all with this anticipation that God is going to fill the need. And I want to invite them up right now to share a little bit about this conference that they're putting together in August. Would you welcome with me Kylie and Nicole? So you guys... Did such a good job first service. So the pressure's off. Second service is much nicer than the first service. Don't tell the first service I said that. You guys look nicer. But uh, just relax. Just share a little bit. Um, No one knows even why you're here. No one knows anything about it. So maybe you could just spend a couple of minutes sharing about this conference, sharing about uh, why you're doing it, uh, what's it all about, and uh, help us get excited about the vision that God has given you. All right. Well, um, I'm Nicole, and this is Kylie. And uh, how many of you know that God has a plan for your life? Amen, right? The bad part is is that the devil also has a plan for your life, and that's to steal, kill, and destroy us. And so me and Kylie, we were talking, and we were praying, and God just really put on our hearts that we need to reach those people that are being destroyed and that are being attacked by the enemy. And um, our hearts are really for girls, 13 to 20. And there's so much um, brokenness and so much discouragement and darkness in their lives without God and without the hope and without love of Christ. And so we we came together, and we started spinning out ideas um, to one another, and all of a sudden, God just gave us this unanimous idea. You know, why don't we do a conference? Why don't we get girls from every community we possibly can? All the churches around us and um, even in like Renton, Maple Valley, Auburn, everywhere. Just reach as many girls as possible because they need it so much. And so what this is, is uh, it's called Radiant Conference. And we just want the girls to shine and to, to shine the light of Christ and to know who they are in Christ and their identity. And so it's a two-day conference, August 22nd and 23rd, and we're going to have uh, special speakers, special worship, beauty workshops, hair, dating, all that stuff. We're going to bring in some bachelors and, you know, just <laughs> show that God, you know, can be God over every situation in your life. And no matter what you're going through, he will provide for you and he will help and restore you. And so that's our hearts. And we really, really want to step forth in this in, in this faith and um, believe God and hopefully no, he will bring all the girls, <laughs> and he will change lives because that's what he does. And so yeah. that's what it's going to be, and we're so excited. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Um, How are you? I didn't say this first service, but uh, mostly personally for me, I uh, went through high school, really struggled with just lots of different things and had a lot of devastations in my life. And I just, for me, uh, my heart behind this really, and I know Nicole's is too, 
We just want to show these girls that God's grace is unbelievable. And it doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've done, what you think you're not worthy of. He will give you everything. And he, will, he wants to show you that he does have a plan for your life. And no matter what you've been through, you have a purpose. And so um, for me, I just that grace was extended to me and everyone in this room. And I just want to show them that they have the same grace extended to them. And it doesn't matter your situation, but that they can be restored no matter what. So... Amen. Amen. So, uh, come on, right? Come on. So, you've been at it for a while now, putting this together. I'm sure there's been a few obstacles along the way, challenges, and um, maybe you can share some of those. Maybe you can throw in some miracles as well so that we're not all depressed. (laughs) Well, um, one of our biggest challenges definitely has been uh, our age. We are young, and um, that puts a lot of people off sometimes because they get nervous if, I don't know, you know, if we're we're not responsible enough to handle the commitments and the um, overwhelming responsibilities that come along with planning an event. Uh, But, you know, that's something that, you know, God's been helping us go through. We've been praying for for strength with that, and um, he's still opened so many doors that, it, you know, we, we've shown people that our age, our age doesn't matter, that we can impact lives, so. Yeah, and um, another issue that we've been kind of coming up against is just commitment from um, the leaders around. No one really knows what it's going to turn out to be. That's why it's such a, um, a faith-based thing is because we're going out, and we don't really know who's going to show up, but we're believing for a lot of people, and a lot of lives change. So people don't really know, and they're kind of hesitant and whatnot. So um, some of them have been, you know, a little bit inconsistent, but the leaders that God has given us, such as Hannah over here, are so committed and she supports us so much, and it's amazing. And so that's one of the miracles that um, God has given us is even though there are some people that aren't committed, the people who are are totally 100%. And that supports us, and that just makes us feel like it's going to change and and lives are going to change. And so that's one of the miracles. And another one, which is absolutely amazing, um, we were kind of, you know, wondering where are we going to have this? Are we going to have it in a school? What not? How are we going to fund it? We have nothing, right? So um, one day me and Kylie were going to have a meeting about, you know, where should we um, hold this and whatnot. And we walked into Starbucks and um, Pastor Greg Parsons from uh, Faith Family Church um, in Milton, Kylie's pastor, was there. And um, we kind of got to share a little bit of the vision and whatnot, and he's like, hey, why don't you guys just uh, take our venue for free? And I was like, what? And so, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful venue. The, the sanctuary is stunning, and it's, it holds a lot of people. So God gave that venue to us, and so we're believing that every single chair will be filled with girls Amen. and lives will be changed. Amen. And so that's just some Amen. of the miracles, and God keeps opening doors and provides, and so... It's overwhelming, but it's awesome. It is awesome. Like, when I hear you guys talk, I just, I'm so excited. I I want to see people stand up and do what you guys are doing, to say yes to God, to not let the, you know, all the naysayers and all the obstacles keep you down, but to say, you know, God met with us, He told us, and this is what we're going to do. And I just pray that the faith-based community would rise up, that brothers and sisters in Christ would say, yeah, I agree, and yes, you're right, and yes, God is in this, and yes, we're going to help you. And so, for me, that's how I feel, like, when I hear you talk, like, how can I help? But I think... A lot of us in this room are exactly the same way. That's where we're at. Like, how can we help? So that's my question to you is, how can we help? Well, um, obviously, donations are 
so appreciated. And that doesn't include just like money. That includes time and, and prayers. I said this first service. If you um, are going to plan an event that you want to glorify God with, it has to be based on prayers. And we, the more prayers, the better. And so um, whether your donation is of time or prayers or, or more than that, we, we love and appreciate everything of what that has to do with that. So um, we, need, we always need volunteers. So if you feel like this is something that you could um, partake in, we, we would absolutely love that and we could use it. So definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, Hannah, would you come up here? Pastor Randy, would you come up here as well? Let's go ahead and pray for these amazing women. Church, would you extend your hands? Lord, in just so many ways, I feel like the word that comes to me is that we're not playing games here. This is the real deal right here. This is your move, your love on display. You're moving through these women, Lord, to reach these 13 to 20-year-old girls, Lord. I just pray for your empowerment, Lord, that they would be ready for battle, that they would have the full armor of God, that they would just be fitted perfectly, Lord, with you, Jesus. And that they would be strong and courageous in you, Lord. And that as they do come up against obstacles and challenges, that they would stand true and stand firm in the victory that they have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do pray for supernatural blessing for them, God. That they would see miracle after miracle after miracle. And that they would be reminded every day that God is with them. God is for them. And if God is for them, who could be against them? And I just pray that over them, Lord. And the reality is there are lies, Lord. There are things that will come to try to steal and destroy But we pray against that in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that even now there are angels fighting on their behalf. That, God, you are the Lord of hosts. And you are uh, charging your angels over them. And I pray for their protection, Lord, as they walk out and step out. And and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to give them words to speak. Even as they spoke so eloquently today, Lord. I pray that when they're in hostile situations, if they're before the Sanhedrin, that they wouldn't have to worry about what they're going to say. But they could trust, Lord, that you are giving them the words to speak. That your Holy Spirit is with them, leading them, and guiding them. And we thank you for that, God. We're so excited. We're so excited to be a part of this, Lord. We're excited to hear of the testimonies of the stories, Lord. And there's also a part of me that just wants to say over you guys that in so many ways this is only the beginning. And just remember that. You're, you're planting seeds. You are the sowers. And that you're planting seeds. And there is going to be a harvest of righteousness. And a lot of people, a lot of people are going to be given thanks and glory to God because of the seeds that you're planting. We thank you for that, God. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Will we just appreciate them one more time? God, you guys. You bet. You bet. So, um, I don't... I want it to be too awkward, so we're not going to pass the play today, but I do want to give you an opportunity to give um, toward um, this amazing conference and and what they're doing. If you're going to write a check, please just write out the live stream. We'll just lump it all together and we'll we'll send them one big check. But we're going to put a couple of baskets up here after service and we're going to have a bucket back there that says donations. You can put it in there. But just after service, uh, if you uh, feel led to give towards this ministry, um, you can put it in the baskets or you can uh, put it in the back, in the basket, uh, in the basket. Yeah, that's awesome. That's not a word. That's not a word. In the bucket. But uh, let's go ahead and pray. God, this is awesome. I'm just so happy to be here in your presence. You are here. 
just to hear you, God, to hear you being expressed through Nicole and through Kylie, Lord. It's just, I can't tell you how encouraged I am in my spirit this morning, Lord. Thank you for showing up, for being here, for speaking, for revealing yourself, Lord. You are so good to us. So good to us, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. Many of us in this room, we just need a change of our heart. God, in second service alone, there is a change that we need in our hearts. And God, we could never get to this calling of generosity without a supernatural change. If you're here this morning and, and you don't know the Lord, if you don't know God, today I just want to say as kindly as I can that you need Him. You are in desperate need for Him. And today you can invite Him into your heart and He can change your heart, He can change your life. If you're a Christian here this morning, but you know you've drifted away from generosity, you know, you know that your heart has been hardened, that you've become inwardly focused, you've been consumed by your own wants and desires. Today, I just want to declare this over you. God can change your heart. However you came in this morning, you do not have to leave the same. God can change your heart. And I just want to take a, f- a few, few moments right here to just let us yield <laughs> to God. Asking the Lord to examine our hearts. Or that we would yield. In this area of finances, there's just anger that rises up and fear that rises up and excuses that rise up and justification. Yeah. I pray that there be a yielding to your spirit this morning, Lord. Soften our hearts, Lord. Some of us, there's just this tight grip that we have. It's a grip on money that is full of anxiety and worry. I pray that we could relax in you, Jesus. Trust in Matthew 6. Trust that we do not have to worry. We do not have to worry. That we'd let go. That we'd be sowers, Lord. It's so much bigger than a number or... Or a percentage. It's about our heart, Lord. You're so concerned about our heart. That you look for a heart that is glad. That is of good cheer. Soften our hearts. Change our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts. If you've never let him into your heart before, there's a good chance he's knocking on the door of your heart this morning. I just say, let him in. Stop fighting with God. Let him in. Let him in. Now I just want to speak over all of you, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, if you have drifted, if you're empty, if you just need to get closer to Him, if you need a change in your heart, I want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray that the Lord would change your heart, give you what you need this morning, give you what you need to be able to answer this call, answer the call of God on your life. And if that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand so I can pray over you? Yeah, absolutely. I see you. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Praise the Lord. Would you all pray this with me together? Say, God, change my heart. Make me more like you. Forgive me for going my own way. Be first in my life. Be the Lord in my life. I surrender my wants. I surrender my desires for your plan.
I surrender my life for your life. Give me the life that you've called me to live. And as I continue to pray this morning, God, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this message. I want to thank you for the calling that you've placed on our life. And every one of us in this room, Lord, you know where we're at. We're all at different places in this area of giving and generosity. But God, I just pray this as boldly as I can pray. Do not let us stay the same. Love us enough to challenge us to something bigger and greater than ourselves. Please, Lord, stir us up. Stir us up. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Move us, Lord, into what you've called us to do. And God, as just a person here that's been on the earth for 33 years, I want to thank you for putting me on this earth. I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to make a difference for your kingdom. And all of us in this room, we're just thankful, Lord. A thankfulness rises up within us for what you've given us this day, this opportunity to honor you with our lives. And we want to honor you not just with our lives, but with our time, with our money, and all of our resources. We want to answer your call, Lord, this call to generosity. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.